Well, there's a couple schools of thought about this Missouri LSU game. Are the Missouri Tigers going to get an angry version of the LSU Tigers or a motivated one? Ah, or are they given up on the season? Let's find out. I'm going to ask Caroline Fenton all that and more on this special crossover edition of Locked on Mizzou and Locked on LSU. Of course, I think I got an email noise there. Let's, uh... I didn't hear it for what that's worth. Okay, we're probably good to go then. I'll okay, just uh, cool. hit the... I'll just hit the do not disturb then so that doesn't happen and close the email. But yeah, eh, we'll ignore it regardless. All right. Okay. Hey, all you true sons and daughters. I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and the central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball, and I'm very happy to join another member of the Locked On Podcast Network with me today. It's Caroline Fenton of Locked On LSU. Caroline, I know you guys are probably a little disappointed that you're off to a two-loss start here, but otherwise, how are things going with you? Well, yeah, disappointed, I think, would be an understatement, uh, as you can imagine, but, you know, it's just, me personally, I'm okay. Had enough time to recover after that Ole Miss game. It was absolutely a heartbreaker. Um, but looking forward to uh, to getting another opportunity this weekend in Columbia. Yeah, well, you mentioned the Ole Miss game. This kind of, in my opinion, promises to be another exciting shootout, it seems to me. But, you know, I have followed your, your X feed in particular, Caroline, and I've noticed at times you haven't seemed like you're that thrilled with Brian Kelly necessarily. Where are you about a halfway into year two with Brian Kelly? Yeah, I think that I have to separate Brian Kelly from the rest of the coaching staff. As far as Brian Kelly is concerned, you know, uh, of course, there are more blowouts than you would have liked. You know, going back to last season, you get blown out at home against Tennessee. You lose a rough game against Florida State to start the 2022 season and then get blown out by Florida State again at the start of the 2022 season. You get blown out by Georgia in the SEC championship. And of course, Georgia's going to blow out a lot of teams, but still it's the idea of, you know, for the most part, when LSU loses, they lose bad. And it's either the like a, a blowout score or you lose because of dumb special teams mistakes or you lose because your defense can't stop anyone. So, of course, that's frustrating. But overall, with Brian Kelly, you're a year and a half in. You win the SEC West in year one. You beat Nick Saban in year one. That's something that took Lane Kiffin still hasn't done at Ole Miss. That's something that took Jimbo Fisher a long time to do at Texas A&M. You know, LSU currently has the 10th overall ranked recruiting class in the 2024 class, the number six overall ranked recruiting class in 2023. So for right now, I'm pleased with Brian Kelly, especially given what he took over after that 2021 season. You know, Coach O fired in the middle of the season. And, you know, you had 38 scholarship players with six and seven was the number seven team last team in the SEC West. Brian Kelly didn't have a lot to work with going into the 2022 season. And I think he's done a pretty good job with what he's got. Now, Matt House is the one that I am not pleased with whatsoever. And this is the interesting thing to me, John, is Matt House, defensive coordinator. Yeah. LSU had a pretty decent defense last year without Mason Smith. And with the secondary that they had to rebuild through the transfer portal. So this year you have Harold Perkins in his second year. 
You have Mason Smith back. And you also have a secondary that you had to rebuild for the transfer portal in the second year. But the defense is significantly worse. That, to me, falls on coaching. At 34, missed tackles against Ole Miss. That, to me, falls Ooh. on coaching. Uh, Harold Perkins has been in, you know, he was mismanaged in the offseason against Florida State. He was in uh, an unnatural position for him. That's on coaching. So all the defensive woes, you know, of course you have to go out there and execute. It is about the Jimmys and Joes, but overall I think the defensive problems falls on the X's and O's and that's on coaching and that's on defensive coordinator Matt House. Yeah, I actually watched all the snaps from that Ole Miss game. And what I saw a lot of times from that LSU back end was just miscommunications mm-hmm. galore. So it's definitely not all about just motivation. It is just about actual execution. So, right. Caroline, like I said in that cold open there, are you leaning toward this is going to be a, a, an LSU team that is saying, hey, we got to save our season here in Columbia, Missouri. We're going to be focused to play. Or do you think this is a unit that is going – gosh, we didn't think we'd have two losses already. What's going on? What, what do you think? What are you leaning more toward? Um, I, I do truly believe that that was a wake-up game at Ole Miss, that that was a, we got to get our stuff together because I was a little bit concerned going into this season. LSU was getting so much love. You know, a number five ranked right. team in the AP preseason poll. A lot of people picking LSU to pick the, to win the SEC West. Yep. Um, in, in a down year for the SEC West, I thought, how does this coaching staff keep this team motivated? It's easy to motivate a team the year prior when you're not a preseason ranked team and nobody expects anything from you. So I'm thinking that that was a wake-up game because I look at last season. And last season, midway through the year, similarly to the Ole Miss loss, LSU had a wake-up game, a blowout loss against Tennessee at home. And after that, LSU went on its best three-game streak of the season. You beat Ole Miss, blow Ole Miss out. You beat Florida, and then you beat Alabama. That was the Jaden Daniels' best three-stretch of games. That was the defense's best three-stretch of games. So I think that that was, had something to do with, right, we're in midseason form. And I also do think it had something to do with a little bit of a wake-up call and a little bit of a motivation of, hey, like we need to get our stuff together. So I, I at least hope that that, was, uh, that, that Ole Miss game has a, a similar effect a wake-up, realization, get-right game. So you do think probably that, I can assume you do think this LSU defense has enough talent, has enough time to maybe turn it around this season. and Heck, maybe it could happen here in a couple days. So that's a – let me answer that question in two different parts. The secondary, no. I do not. I think that the secondary, it's simply, it is what it is. It was a concern going into this season because they had so few returning pieces coming back. Only one scholarship corner returning from the 2022 season. And that was LaTerrence Welch, who had very few snaps last year. Um, But they picked up pieces of the transfer portal that I think we're seeing just are not at a high enough level and just simply don't have enough talent. That's no disrespect to those guys in those programs, but picked up corners from Syracuse and southeastern Louisiana and from Marshall. Um, And those players, they've been playing hard and they've been doing everything that they can. But sometimes there's just a talent differential and an expectation at LSU that just they just simply can't meet the defensive line. However, I think that's salvageable. I think LSU's got at least three, if not more, future first-round picks on that defensive line. And Mason Smith and Harold Perkins, you know, floating around on the outside, and also with Makai Wingo. You got so much talent. You got veterans on the defensive line and on that front seven. 
I think that that has just been, you know, a coaching issue, a mismanagement issue, maybe a coming back from injury for Mason Smith kind of issue. So I think that the defensive line hasn't even really scratched what it's capable of. Well, yeah, obviously some real concerns there for LSU's defense. Obviously, Missouri fans very familiar with Makai Wingo, the former Tiger. We miss him for sure, but I kind of understand, honestly, why he ended up going down there following his old high school coach. Some unusual circumstances there. Good to see him doing well, honestly, but uh, hopefully Missouri can maybe uh, put him on his butt a couple times with their offensive line. That would be fun to see. But, you know, obviously it seems like we've started a little negative here with the defense for LSU. Plenty of positives to talk about the LSU offense. Just a really, really incredibly talented group that, frankly, I I was a little bit scared after watching them against Ole Miss. So it's not all bad for the LSU Tigers whatsoever. So you know what, Caroline, let's talk about Jaden Daniels, Malik Neighbors, that whole group coming up. But first, I want to tell you guys about eBay Motors, because this time of year, you know what, you got to be looking at your car and it's all about passion, drive and patience. That's what bring homes the winning trophy. And it's what helps keep your ride or die vehicle alive. You see, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or or style, eBay Motors has you covered. And with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. And with all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit. Only available to U.S. customers. And this season, Locked On is taking its coverage up a notch with Locked On College Football kickoff live each Friday. Locked On going live at 10 a.m. Central on every Locked On College YouTube channel, including Locked On Mizzou and Locked On LSU. Got the playoff implications, rivalry games, going in-depth like, frankly, only our stable of Locked On College hosts can Covering their team every day. Find Locked On College Football kickoff live every Friday at 10 a.m. Central on any Locked On College YouTube channel. You won't want to miss it. And I tell you, Caroline, after watching LSU's offense this past weekend against Ole Miss, boy, not a lot of weaknesses. I'll tell you that. Jaden Daniels, to me, a guy I studied a lot a couple off seasons ago because Missouri was looking at him in the transfer portal. Obviously, we know where he ended up. But to my eyes, a guy who's a really dynamic runner who's improved a ton as a passer. Now he's got a ton of weapons at his disposal. Is there any real weakness here for the LSU offense? It doesn't look like it, honestly. Um, you know, I would say that maybe the the weakness that has been exposed maybe that first half against Arkansas and the second half against Florida State is when a defensive line shuts down Jaden Daniels' mobility, it's it's the transition into taking that second level and relying solely on the passing game. But that's something that we've seen 
Jaden Daniels can do, and that's something that maybe he struggled with last year, that it was if the first read wasn't there, it's all right, let me use my legs and, and pick up a few yards where I can. This season, the passing game has evolved so much, and I think that has something to do with Jaden Daniels' development and how he can feel more comfortable sitting back in the pocket and going through his progressions and going through his reads, and it also has to do with the pass catchers. That duo of Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas is the best duo that LSU has had since Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. And that's that 2019 team, that is not a comparison that I take very lightly. I look at um, Logan Dix. He is a running back transfer from Notre Dame, and he has evolved as being LSU's go-to number one workhorse back. I think he's the best running back that LSU has had since Clyde Edwards-Alaire in that 2019 season. So this offense just has so many layers to it, and there's so much talent on it. You know, the offensive line has struggled a little bit maybe earlier in the season with penalties, a lot of false start penalties that have just been frustrating to watch. Um, but overall, this LSU offense, it, it is elite. It's elite. It, it's frustrating to watch how good it is and how bad the defense is and how the defense is costing Jaden Daniels a Heisman Trophy resume, truly, because that's what Jaden Daniels is doing. That's the numbers that he's putting up, over 400 yards against Ole Miss, not a single interception, four touchdowns, and you still lose. It's frustrating to see, but this LSU offense, I mean, it's statistically the best in the SEC, one of the best in college football. It truly, I would put it up there with some of the best offenses in college football, maybe, you know, a Texas, a USC, a Washington. LSU's offense has the makings of being simply that good. Yeah, I think it's certainly a top five, at the very least a top 10 unit nationally. Mm -hmm. I mean, really, that's pretty conservative, I'd say. Again, you just look at it with all those receivers, with his dynamic running ability, with his ability to throw the ball mm -hmm. over the top now of a defense that's putting pressure on. Honestly, I, I've been curious, how do you think Missouri should attack or at least at least early in the ball game? I've been thinking, hey, drop back play zone coverage, drop seven, eight guys into coverage at least early in the game. And then if that doesn't work, then maybe you try to bring some pressure on him. To me, I'd, I'd be worried about putting pressure on Daniels and then him getting out of rushing lanes and making big plays with his legs. What's your thoughts, Caroline? And that's the difficult thing about dropping seven or eight back in coverage. That's what Mississippi State did. You know, Mississippi State with the four four three defense, they don't bring a whole lot of pressure on the quarterback. But Jaden Daniels had so much time to throw. He had all day in the pocket to throw. So if you want to, you know, double team the receivers in the backfield, well, that just gives Jaden Daniels time and it gives the receivers time to get some separation, gives Jaden Daniels time in the pocket to sit back and let those receivers get separation. And if you, you know, you drop some back into coverage, well, that gives Logan Diggs and Jaden Daniels time and they can kill you in some of the intermediate passing situations and running the football because LSU can be totally confident and totally fine just running the football you know gain a five here gain a three here gain a two here they're fine with the with the slow kill doing it that way running the football maybe a little bit more conservatively because from what I've seen over the past few weeks LSU is fine running the ball to set up the pass you know, getting down the field, maybe getting into Missouri territory, into opponent's territory, and then that's when they deliver maybe the kill shot, you know, 20, 30-yard pass into the end zone. And you've got guys like Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas, and I'll even add Kyron Lacey um, and Chris Hilton, maybe sure. guys that aren't as, as well-known but are still, you know, certified attacks and weapons in the passing game, guys that, you know, can can win those one-on-one -on -one matchups in, in the end zone. So that's that's a difficult thing. I, I truly don't know. I think the best thing, the, the 
most effective defense that we have seen played against LSU is when you take Jaden Daniels legs away from him specifically earlier in the game. Yeah, I, I tend to think the passing game, probably of both offenses, is going to get theirs in this game, and maybe whoever runs the ball more effectively could end up the victor there. But you know what, Carolina, yeah. do you have anything that you're curious about from my perspective, from the Missouri perspective, you want to pick my brain on? Yeah, so I think you know, I look at Brady Cook and Luther Burden. I mean, that might that's one of the best quarterback wide receiver duos in the SEC. I have loved Luther Burden. I think that Luther Burden, you know, I think now kind of with the Missouri offense evolving, how it has, how much better it looks now that Drink's not calling plays. I think that Luther Burden up until now has been one of the most underrated players in all of college football. But let's say you take Luther Burden away. Let's say maybe that's LSU's defensive game plan, which I mean, who knows? If that's the game plan, who knows if you can execute it? Um, if you take Luther Burden away, what's the the Missouri offense? Well, the good news is, from Missouri's perspective, is they've really had a bunch of receivers emerge along with Burden this year. Now, Burden was moved from the outside to the slot this season, and that's really been an effective position for him. It just fits his skill set so much more. And frankly, he's only about five foot eleven, so to be an outside receiver, that's not a perfect, you know, height for that position. But for whatever reason, the slot fits him perfectly. And the good news is. Theo Weiss, a transfer from Oklahoma, he's fit rather nicely on the outside. Another guy, Marquise Johnson, a young player that's really kind of came a little bit out of nowhere. He's actually a legacy Tiger, son of a former Tiger, but a guy who was literally won the 100-yard dash, I think, in like the biggest, you know, one of the biggest um, high schools in Texas a few years ago. His nickname is Speedy. Well, he can also track the ball, too. He's a really good receiver, a deep threat that if you're going to concentrate a lot of of defensive capital, if you will, on Luther Burden, well, that's going to open up things for, for, for Marquise Johnson and for Theo Weiss. To a lesser extent, Mookie Cooper, a former five-star player from Ohio State. Missouri has plenty of receivers right now, so that's not really a big concern. And looking defensively, I look at LSU and Mizzou, I think they have very similar strengths and very similar weaknesses. That these offenses are f- so fun to watch. They're, you know, they're two-dimensional. They can run the football. They can throw the football. They've got receivers they feel confident in. They've got quarterbacks they can feel confident in. But Missouri's pass defense has, has struggled a bit. And I know that this coaching staff loves its corners. I know they believe in the corners. So what has kind of been the disconnect maybe there in the pass defense? Well, you said it. I think Missouri has really good corners, the top two in particular, Chris Abrams-Drain and Ennis Rakestraw. I think those guys are both potential NFL draft picks, to be sure. But at times, I think you saw it first against Tennessee last season, where Missouri had a really good defense, but they gave up over 700 yards in that game to the Volunteers because over and over again, Josh Heupel was picking on various Missouri safeties in coverage. So as long as you have enough time to get rid of the football, I think there are going to be moments where in particular Malik neighbors is going to be a really, really tough matchup for Missouri. Obviously he's a tough matchup for everybody in the country. I just think in particular, because the Tigers have struggled at times with safety coverage. I think it's going to be interesting to see how the Tigers try to, to counteract that. Will they move Ennis Rakestraw inside occasionally to follow neighbors into the slot. Perhaps they do. Again, maybe more dime coverage, maybe a little bit more zone. 
again, I just think it's going to be really important to get this LSU offense in some types of third and longs because if they can just call whatever they want, I don't know what the answer is. Yeah, it's fair. And that's one thing that I've noticed is, you know, the third and long situations, even fourth and long. I mean, still, I go back through the fourth and seven against Mississippi State and they go for it and they score a touchdown. And I'm thinking, what, like, what, what is this? Um, but, you know, obviously the third and three situations, third and two, when you can utilize either Jaden Daniels legs or Logan Diggs or the rest of the running backs, LSU has eight running backs currently on its roster. That's when it works best. You know, just pick up a couple of yards here, get the first down and move forward. Um, but overall, I look at, at Missouri. And I, I'm a little bit confused. You know, a close game against Middle Tennessee State, and you come back and you beat number 15th-ranked Kansas State. You know, maybe consistency is or lack of thereof from this Missouri team is has been difficult for me to truly put my finger on what this Missouri team is. Maybe what's the reason for the lack of consistency from Missouri so far? Well, I think you just saw a really different offense in the first two weeks than you have the last three. And it's just interesting because in 2022, in week two, Brady Cook, he had a, a shoulder labrum injury that required surgery in the offseason. He played through it all of 2022. So Missouri was just a lot of dink and dunk offense, especially in the passing game last year. Well, in the first two weeks of 2023, it looked much the same for whatever reason against South Dakota and against middle Tennessee. That's what Missouri decided to do. And frankly, it was frustrating after week two against middle Tennessee. I was, I was discouraged. I was really discouraged by the offense, but then suddenly in week three, Missouri opens it up. Suddenly they're doing a lot of play action fakes. They're throwing the ball downfield successfully and repeatedly by the way. And we've seen that ever since the last two weeks against Memphis and Vanderbilt, kind of the same deal. Now, as you referred to, maybe the inconsistency there, Missouri's been excellent on first and second down, standard downs. But if you get them into third down, well, that's been a lot more suspect the last few weeks. So that'll be something interesting to watch against LSU if they can execute a little bit better there. But frankly, Caroline, I, I just think the last three weeks, Missouri has figured out what it is. Which is... I think I, I always call it like the first couple of week fallacy or the September sure. fallacy of football of, you know, in, inconsistencies in scheduling. Some teams play power five, some teams don't. And Absolutely. also keeping in mind, might not know what you want to do, whether it's transfers or young players or a new quarterback or a new coordinator by week five, week six, week seven, we're starting to see these teams coming into full form. They know what their identity is. They know what they want to be. Um, but last one on my end, I know, you know, Columbia is kind of a foreign place for a lot of LSU fans, of course, played there in 2020. But with COVID right. year, weird year, not a lot of people got to make the trip. So yep. Missouri at home, what kind of advantage is that for the Tigers? Your, your Tigers, rather. Well, I mean, I, I'll be honest, it's not it's not a night game in Baton Rouge. I'm sure of that. <laughs> but it, it's uh, anything short of that. I mean, Missouri, when Missouri is good, when Missouri has a, a big time game coming into town, a big time program, an opponent like LSU, I mean, it's going to be an electric atmosphere 11 a.m. or at night. I'm telling you, Missouri fans are going to show up for this game. There's no doubt about that. I don't think you're not going to have to worry about the Tigers, Tiger faithful being asleep. So again, maybe we would have liked to have had it 
at 6 p.m. to get a little bit more liquored up for at the tailgate. I don't know. But honestly, I, I think it's actually a good spot if you think about it. It's the ESPN game following college game day. It's actually a great spot if you're in the PR department at the Missouri Athletic Department. But you know what? Before we get out of here, Caroline, I do want to talk to you about the line over at FanDuel Sportsbook. It's now down to five and a half. Missouri, the underdogs, LSU, the favorites here. Creeping down just a little bit Missouri's way. I have to say, I've, I've been surprised at how high that line is. To me, this is much more of a pick type game than it is a LSU favored by a touchdown game. What are your thoughts? I would agree. When it opened at six and a half, I thought that's going down. And I wouldn't, let's say if I'm Vegas, I would make it more of a two and a half point spread. Because I think that it could very well be one of those games that whoever gets the football last wins. Whoever scores last wins. That was the situation with Arkansas for LSU. Obviously, that was a situation last week with Ole Miss. That it was Ole Miss got, you know, Ole Miss scored last. So Ole Miss won. And I think that these are two offenses that have the makings of this being an absolute shootout. And it's kind of a management of the clock kind of game. I think the over-under is set at 63 and a half. Hammer the over. <laughs> this easily could be a, you know, a 43-41 kind of outcome. Yeah, I'm kind of with you there. And in fact, my prediction, Caroline, I, I just have a feeling, I think, even though I think it's a toss up game, I'm actually going to lean a little bit Missouri's way, frankly, because of how professional I thought Missouri has been the last two weeks against mm-hmm. Vanderbilt, against Memphis, even though Kansas State's their best win. I was almost more impressed that they came back from what Kansas State fans kept saying, well, that was Missouri's Super Bowl. There was some truth to that. Missouri had had that game circled forever. They were motivated. My point is they had every opportunity in the world to suffer some kind of letdown against Memphis and Vanderbilt, and they took care of business. So this seems like a team that's that's focused and motivated. So you know what? I'm going to go with the Tigers in a, in a game that that you're talking about, basically. The Tigers have the ball last. Harrison Mebus hits a field goal for the win. I'm going to go 38-35 Missouri. What, what's your pick, Caroline? The thicker kicker. The thicker kicker. MVP you got it. of the season already uh, after that 61-yarder against Kansas State. I'm going to lean just very slightly LSU. And I think it's it, this is everything. This is a, an identity game for LSU. I think that this is an avoiding disaster game for LSU. That, you know, you fall to three and three, you're going to have some really uncomfortable situations. And you're going to have some really uncomfortable conversations about what this team really truly can be. And I don't think that they want to fall into that situation. That, yeah, you put up, you know, 49 points against Ole Miss and 600 yards of offense against Ole Miss and you still lost. I think that was an embarrassment. That was an embarrassing loss for that team. I don't think they want to continue to go down that road. I think that they're going into this game incredibly motivated. And I I hope that I can look back at the end of this season and say that Ole Miss loss was the best thing that ever happened to this team because they needed to to realize what they needed to do to continue to win games in this conference. And look, this Missouri team is a really good team. This offense has been so fun to watch. But I look at LSU's offense and say as good as Missouri's is, LSU's has been better. Through, uh, through five weeks. So I'm going to lean LSU very slightly. I think it's going to be one, two, three point difference. 
I think your point about Missouri and LSU's offense, LSU's being a little bit better, trust them a little bit more. I, I would agree with you, actually. I just would also say that I trust Missouri's defense more than yeah, LSU. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's going to be, again, I think we're kind of on the same page, even yeah. though we pit, we went with our homer picks. But I think we really are on the same page here. It's going to be a good, high-scoring ball game. And, hey, Caroline, thanks for joining me. And be sure to check out Caroline. If you're in the, if you're in the Nashville area by any chance, right? You're, you're based in Nashville. Is that right, I Caroline? Am, yeah. I'm based in Nashville. Well, I, she she hosts Caroline, Willie, and D Mace from eleven to two daily on ten twenty five the game AM. So how about that? Three hours of radio. I'm impressed. One oh two five FM. One oh two five FM. Yeah, there yeah, go. yeah. There, there you go. go. But yes, yeah, it's a blast. Come check me out if you're in Nashville and I'll be in Columbia this weekend, so maybe I'll see you there. Awesome. Well, yeah, I'll buy you a beer. Hit me up. We'll do, we'll do. Thanks, John. All right, thanks.